You're listening to a recent sermon from a Covenant Church worship experience. For more information, you can visit us online at covenantchurch.us. This message is from the Core Five, where we are learning about the five core principles that define what it means to be a part of Covenant Church. The topic this week is that we build this together. When each of us uses the gifts and talents that God has given us, we begin to live out the church's purpose here on earth. And now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Stavenport. So we're picking up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. Uh, Last week we spent some time walking through our fourth of our core five uh, Sundays uh, with with Seth over here, man in the base today, but last week killing it, right? And uh, today I got to say, you guys modeling we, the, the, the whole concept of worshiping in spirit very, very, very well. It's so wonderful. I'm serious. It's so wonderful to get together with brothers and sisters in Christ and just worship Jesus, isn't it? And, and this is such a unique environment that we can get together and just sing about Jesus and sing about our God and how great our God is. There are no environments like this anywhere, are there? I mean, it's just, it's an incredible thing to come together as a church. And uh, today we're, we're going to be walking through our fifth core uh, principle. And I'll, I'll give that to you in a minute. But first this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, starting in verse 12. It says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one, say that word, Spirit. Spirit. We were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or... Slaves or, yeah, we like to celebrate freedom. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of, of many. So look around this room and see the many members of the body of Christ. Understand that, that this house of worship does not just contain all the members of the body of Christ, but that in churches across our city, across our nation, across our world, right now, thousands, millions of, of, of people who are part of the body of Christ gathering together, worshiping. That's exciting, isn't it? We are all part of, of the body. So we're going to talk about that today in a sermon we've entitled, We Build This Together. Turn to your neighbor and say, we build this together as you find your seat. We build this together. So today I'm going to be very forthright and very honest, especially from, uh, from the beginning. And, and sometimes uh, it's, it's difficult to admit weakness. Would you agree with that? Uh, sometimes it's very difficult. As men, sometimes it's very difficult to admit, admit weakness. So this is something for me that, that I'm going to admit to you, that I'm going to tell you straight away. Um, but early on in my marriage, I made a grave mistake. Early on, when I when I'd first wed my, if, if you're from like a Baptist church, you have to call her your bride. So early on, when I wed my bride, right, I, I made, you could call it a mistake, you could call it an, an indiscretion. Um, and I want to tell you about it, if that's okay. Can I tell you about it a little bit? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> you're like, yeah, please. We love to get the dirt. Yeah. Um, well, in a moment of weakness, here's what happened. I admitted to my wife and then demonstrated to my wife my ability 
to give a masseuse quality foot and back massage. <laughs> it's true, a grave error made early on. Rookie mistake, rookie mistake. Because as soon as my wife found out that I had the talent, the skill, the ability, the, the giftedness, I don't know, call it what you want. As soon as my wife found that out, it was over. Because every day after that, it was, oh, Travis, my, my feet really, my feet are really hurting today. Do you, you rub my feet a little bit? Okay, yeah, sure, honey, yeah, yeah, as you wish. You know, go all Princess Bride on it. Then it was, oh, you know, gosh, wow, just really, I've been doing so many dishes, you know, over the sink, you know, and just my back, do you think you could rub? So every single day, I, 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 I had to give her a massage, had to, had to rub her feet. And, and, and listen, don't, don't think that this is a skill that just came naturally to me. I take this skill, this gifting, this talent very, very seriously. This, this, is, this is something that I, I mean, I put hours and hours into this craft. Do you understand that? This was a talent that was honed on the back of old women's feet on my grandfather's bus as I rode with him during the summer. Gross, yes, but it paid part of my college tuition. <laughs> Quarter per foot, and uh, that was not enough money. Can I just say that? <laughs> yeah. Now, I say mistake, um, but in all reality, it's, it's turned out to be a decent deal. I mean, it's, it's turned out to be an, an okay thing that, that she found this out about me. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to oblige um, because in exchange for my goods and services, my, my wife keeps me, keeps me fed, right? Which you can see works. You, my wife <laughs> keeps me happy and keeps me a whole lot of other things that aren't any of your business. <laughs> but it's turned out to be a pretty good Deal. I, I'm, I'm happy about it. But, but can you imagine, the point is this, can you imagine if, if today that deal ended? Can you imagine my frustration if, if I go home today and she's like, Travis, you know, just the baby bug uh, workers. Nobody came today and I had to, you know, I had to hold 15 babies in one service. And they were just like, I was holding them all. You know, my back is really, could you just, oh, sure, honey, of course I will. And give a massage. And, then, and I'm waiting for, you know, all of a sudden all my kickbacks end on my side. All of a sudden I'm the one only putting into this relationship. All of a sudden, like I'm the only one doing this. I'm giving her a massage after massage, rubbing her shoulders, rubbing her feet, all that kind of stuff. But now all of a sudden there's nothing in return. Could you imagine my frustration? Would you be frustrated by that? Some of you are like, welcome to my marriage. <laughs> you would be frustrated, and, and, and rightfully so. You would definitely be frustrating. Why? Because that's not how a relationship works. That's not how a relationship works at all. That's not supposed to be how a relationship goes down. Now, if you're here this morning um, to worship in spirit and in truth, that means that you probably showed up with, with a notebook and a pen. You're ready to take some notes. So here's the first thing I want you to write this down. Number one, number one. You cannot have true relationship without reciprocation. You cannot have true relationship without reciprocation. In other words, you got to give at least as good as you get. In other words, you got to give at least as good as you get. Now, I'm going to take this one step further. I'm going to try and kind of stir up a little bit of trouble this morning. Um, because in our Core 5 series, this is very much an in-house uh, family type of talk. And so that's going to be my tone uh, to some degree. So I'm going to try and dig in a little bit here because when we talk about relationships, what we're really talking about is commitment. Amen? Really talking about commitment. Commitment means, if you don't know what commitment means, commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to 
do long after the mood you set it in has left you. Let me just say that one more time. Commitment means you staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. That is commitment. And I wonder if anybody would agree with me this morning that we live in a land, we, we have built a culture, we live in a society where commitment is a bit of a rarity. Would you agree with me on that? Difficult to find committed individuals. Difficult to find people who, who want to follow through on the things that they say they're going to do. I mean, just practically, we have weddings. Nobody's getting married anymore. You know what I'm saying? We, we, sure, we have people who take the vows. We have people who get the tax deduction, but they have no roots. There's no real commitment. So, so when the convenience of the commitment is over, the relationship ends. Would you agree with me on that? We have employees, but not workers. We have people who want to collect a paycheck, people who say, I'm just here for the money. I'm just here to clock in. I'm just here to go home. And that's why it's not going to work for you. That's why uh, you're not a worker, you're just an employee. That's why you can't stay anywhere or work for anybody. You thought you were an entrepreneur. Could just be that you're lazy. Could just be that you're not committed. Could just be that you have a problem with authority because you don't like somebody telling you what to do. I'm gonna keep digging. We have American citizens, but not many American patriots. I think I should get a... And amen for that one. We got American citizens, but we don't have a lot of American patriots. We want all the benefits of our great country's freedom, but we're not willing to do what it takes to do our part that that, to ensure that that freedom continues. Yeah? Yeah, exactly, right? You, you have no issue, I'm going to keep digging, you have no issue living off the backs of people who actually do have jobs so that you can continue in your lifestyle. You say, is this, a, is this, a, is this some type of a... Um, man, is this some type of a talk that I would hear on, on, on like MSNBC? No, definitely not that. Is this some kind of a talk that I would... No, no, listen, this is a church talk. God calls us to be good citizens, to be patriots, to be people who, who work diligently, who are committed to the cause. And, and part of the problem is we, we have too many 40-year-old boys living in their parents' basements swiping Tinder when they should be at work. The only commitment you've ever had long-term is with your Xbox Live account. Come on. Now, this lack of reciprocation, this lack of commitment has finally, after years and years and years and years and years of going unchecked, has finally seeped into church culture. It's inevitable. But it's finally seeped into church culture. I want to give you a list of people, and I've tried to make them all rhyme so that you could remember them. Um, it's really for me that I could remember them as I tell them to you. But I want to give you a list of people, and, and, and listen, um, one of these will hit you. You will be one of these people, okay? A couple of them are, are difficult. One of them is, is not so difficult, but you will be hit by this. So when you are, take it and grow, okay? Here we go. The first of these people who fill up our churches are called fakers. Now here's what's interesting about fakers. Fakers are talented individuals. You ever met a talented individual who is also a faker, not committed? A faker is a talented individual. They can be, but they're not committed individuals. 
Now, now, a faker can look like a committed individual because they can skate off their talent, but talent only lasts for so long. Commitment, you know, endures. And so you think somebody's really committed, you know, they're like, wow, that's a committed individual. They've really honed into their craft. No, 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 they're just talented. They're just decent at that. They're just good at that. They'll probably be gone in a matter of months. Fakers are individuals not willing to pay the cost, not willing to do what needs to be done. Fakers have a tendency to float through life. You skate through just kind of leaning on your own talent. And you fool many people into thinking you're committed, but you're not. You are a fake. You and your life are a lie. You're a liar, quite simply. But here's a question for you, my faker friends. What would it look like if you completely threw yourself into something and gave it your all? You know, it frustrates me. I see people who are so talented, yet so uncommitted. And I see people who are so untalented, yet so committed. And so how often God raises up uh, the people who aren't the brightest or the sharpest or the most talented, but who just willingly say, here I am, use me, take me or leave me. I'm not really good at much, but I'm willing to do anything that you want me to do. And God uses those people to change the world uses those people to change the world. What would it be like if a group of talented individuals had that same mentality? What could God do? The second type of person that fills our churches are the takers. Now, this is a little bit of a sore spot for me, so you're gonna have to forgive me in advance. Takers are people who have a gimme mentality. Look at your neighbor and say, gimme, gimme. Yeah, gimme, gimme. They have a gimme mentality. You know what I'm talking about, right? You only ever show up to get when you should be showing up to give, you just give me, give me, give me. You've never really truly bought into our fortress family mentality that we have as a church. You, um, you're only here to help uh, if there's something in it for you. You are uh, not selfless, you are selfish. We're called to be selfless, but you're selfish. You are the human equivalent of hungry, hungry hippos. Remember that game? Playing that game a while back. Man, that's a cool game. And you're just smashing those hippos down. And what, what's the whole point of the game? To get every single particle of food, but not to expel any energy, right? You just get the food. You don't do anything with it. You just gather it. And so you're out there, rom, rom, rom. I don't know. They don't have sound effects. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> but you're out to just eating, 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 feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. But, but, but you call this church your home, but you do nothing at all except take up a chair. You're, you're a taker. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about this the other day. If we had everybody show up to our church who called this their home church, we would have to have two additional worship experiences, and we would fill up all four of them. <laughs> right? Now, I'm thankful for those of you who this is your first time here. You're visiting our church. I'm thankful you're visiting our church for the first time today. The problem is some of you have been visiting our church for years. And you call this place your home. Number three, the third type of person that fill our churches are the breakers, a.k.a. the haters. And one thing you have to know about haters is this. This is, this is write this down. Haters gonna hate. <laughs> it's, just, it's just what they do, man. Haters gonna hate, right? Haters gonna hate. Breakers, haker, haters, breakers are gossips. 
They're divisive or divisive. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Breakers bounce from place to place, church to church, relationship to relationship, long enough to get the dirt kicked up and make a mess and then leave it behind. If my grandma were here right now, she'd pick up a broom and just yell, get, get, get. That's what she would do. Because you're, a, you're, you're no good. <laughs> you're a breaker. Have you ever thought about that for a second? If that's a category that you fall into, you are actively trying to break something that God has established on this earth. You're a breaker. Now, a little reprieve here. Lastly, there's people that I call the makers. The makers. The makers. These are the 20%, statistically speaking, of a church. The 20%, this is the backbone of, of a church, of our church. You give in every way possible, financially, sacrificially, spiritually, emotionally. You are the bricks in the wall of this fortress. You are the constant. Oftentimes you are, no offense at all, because I'm with you, you are the least talented the least likely to be up front, but you are the hardest working. You are the dependable. Up for whatever, up for whenever and however. You are the people that show up in the morning before the sun rises and set up an entire location. You are the people who after everyone has gone, you tear it down. You are the people in the middle of the night who pray on your knees that God would use this church. You are the makers. You're the 20%. And when we speak of makers, we speak of a people, get this now, who understand how Scripture calls us to function as a church. Listen to this. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says this in verse 4. He says, For as in one body, and this hints back to Corinthians, but he explains it a little more. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Say the word function with me, would you? Say function. Now, what's interesting, notice he says they don't all have the same function, indicating that everyone does have a function. So everybody does have something to do, but not everybody has the same thing to do. That's a problem in and of itself. Can you imagine if we were all standing up here preaching at the same time to no one? Can you imagine if we had a worship team of 500 people? Kind of crazy. For some of you, that's your dream scenario, right? Can you imagine if, you get the point, we all have different roles. We all have different functions to play, but, but note that we do have functions. We do have places. We do have tasks that we're given to. Verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So uh, apparently, each one of us not only has a function, but we have a gift. We not only have a role to play, but we have been given a gift by God to, to do that role. Something that, that pushes us into a certain avenue of work. And he goes on, he says, If prophecy in proportion for our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts, also encouragement, in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. See, when it comes to God's church, don't miss me now, this is the foundational principle. When it comes to God's church, what Paul is telling us, what scripture is telling us, prayerfully what the Holy Spirit is telling you, is that we build this together. When it comes to God's church, we build this together. Look at the person next to you and say, we build this together. 
You can't get that deep enough. We build this together. We build this together. We build this together. Now, if you want to know what category, I know I gave you a couple different categories of people who fill up churches today. But if you want to find out, because we kind of deceive ourselves, well, I'm a maker. I'm a maker. I'm definitely not a taker. I'm definitely not a faker. I'm definitely not a hater. I'm not a breaker. You know? but, but let's be honest with ourselves. Equations are very honest. Would you agree? Equations kind of flush out the, uh, the could-be's, but it gets down to the very essence and, and um, just organic matter of what is truth. One plus one, right? Two plus two. Beyond that, I'm not really awesome. But you get my point. My point is equations are good. Okay, so let me give you an equation that you can use, a simple equation, to find out where you line up. And here it is. Here it is. I want you to add up what you're getting. We're talking about church now. Add up what you're getting. Write that down. Add up what you're getting. And I want you to then weigh it against what you're giving. Add up what you're getting. Weigh it against what you're giving. Because when you add up what you're getting and weigh it against what you're giving, you'll really find out quickly if you've ever truly been joined to a thing. Now, apply this to any avenue of your life. Apply it to your marriage. Add up what you're getting from your spouse. Weigh it against what you're giving to her, to him. And you will find out if you have ever truly been joined to a thing. Look at your employer and say, I, you know, I'm going to add up what I'm getting, all the benefits, all the whatever it might be. And then I'm going to weigh it against what I'm giving. I'm really joined to a thing. It, it has so much to do with, with our context today. You hear what I'm saying? Because what I'm really asking is this. Are you truly joined to the body of Christ? I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about sanctification. I'm just simply asking, are you a part of this body? Are you a part of the body of Christ? Is there reciprocation? Is there, is there commitment? Now, and to this point, let me, let me ask you this. This is kind of a left turn, but it's going to pull us full circle. Did you ever wonder, or have you ever wondered? Sometimes I read scripture and I have like a lot of questions. Um, one of my questions was, after Jesus Christ you know, comes back from the dead, this epic, awesome moment, um, he ascends to heaven. My question has always been, why did he do that? Why didn't Jesus just say like, hey, everybody, told you, here I am. Get on your knees and worship me now, right? And why didn't he set up his kingdom then and there? It's obviously that he, it's obviously he was God at that point. It's obvious that he, obviously he was the Messiah. Why didn't he just create, like, zap a temple into, you know, um, reality and just go sit on a throne that he made? Why didn't he do that? Do you ever wonder that? Instead, he went to heaven and he empowered people with the gospel. Why did he do that? Good question. Glad you asked. Um, I think it has to do with the fact that God gets a tremendous amount of glory building his church through us. God has an incredible amount of pleasure and glory that comes to him when we are joined to a thing and he builds his church through us. Man, think about that. It is an immense privilege to have God build his church through you. It's an immense privilege. It's an overwhelming privilege. The fact that we are able to see people's eternities shifted. We get to see people come to Jesus Christ almost every week in our church. That, that, that we are privy to see people overcome addictions because of the commun Christian community that they've surrounded themselves with and, and the Holy Spirit working through them. 
It's amazing that we get to see people discipled and and raised up and trained and go plant churches and, and be missionaries. It's amazing that we get to see marriages put back together. It is an immense privilege to have God build his church through us, is it not? Yeah. Ephesians 3 says it this way. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church. To him be the glory in the, say church. And in Christ Jesus throughout generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now this passage, i got to be honest with you, is, is wildly pulled out of context often. Wildly pulled out of context often. And it's applied to very, in very weird ways in various scenarios. All right, God's going to give us anything that we ask. If we can ask for it, if we can dream about it, if we can, you know, whatever, God's going to do that. But I'm not saying that that's not entirely what, that Jesus isn't going to do something like that. But, but specifically in the context of Scripture and how it's supposed to be read, that's not what it means. <laughs> and so we have to be very careful about just pulling out a verse and applying it to anything and everything in our life. That is called heresy, okay? We have to read the, con- we have to read the verse in the context when, in which the verse was written in. And, th- and then we can understand the, the, the meaning, when it says God will do far more than all that we could ask or think in our world, he's saying through the church. Through the church. How does God change a lost world? Through his church. What did Jesus come to this world to set up? His church. What is the great sleeping giant in American culture today, the church. What would it take for America to turn back to Jesus? The the church. Do you see what I'm saying? God builds his church through us in an attempt to evangelize the world. We are the main vehicle of evangelization when it comes to the gospel, the church. And so when scripture says that to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, you have to understand that we need to show up with expectation, understanding that we are the body, that we have different roles to play in an attempt to reach this world for the gospel for Christ. In other words, we exist to seek and save the lost. So here's my point. You want to see your family come to Christ? Be the church. You want to see your neighbors know Jesus? Let's build this together. You want to see our city have a revival? You want to be a part of a movement? Then then let's let's build this church together. Let's be the church. Because that's what it takes. And you're like, well, I don't know. That's kind of a big deal. Scripture literally says right here that he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Who is alive within us? God. And he says that God is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. So, God, I, I want my city to come to Christ. Oh, okay. Because I can do far more abundantly than, than that. Do you hear what I'm saying? God, I want to see my neighbors come to Jesus. Oh, okay. Well, I can do far more abundantly. But God's not going to do far more abundantly if we're not being the church. You've got to be the church. Someone say, we got to build this together. we got to build this together. Yeah, see, for too long, and I'm going to 
dig a little here, okay? Let off a little steam here, okay? Just so you know. Because for too long, and this isn't per- what's well, personal, but it's not as much personal for me, I guess, as, as it is for friends of mine or people that I know. Because for too long, churches have been operating under more of a corporate mindset where they see their pastor as like the CEO. I'm talking about like we bring in the right CEO. We pay the CEO. If we don't like what the CEO says, we get a new CEO. We get a board together and we say your services are no longer needed here. But while the CEO is here, we expect him to preach. We expect him to teach. We expect him to. We'll get into that more in a minute. Just so you know, this isn't how a biblical model of a church works. The pastor is not the CEO. It's not. It's just, it's just not how it works. The biblical model for a church is one where we all build this together. Where we all build this Together, Ephesians 4 says it this way, and this is going to be the nail in the coffin. Ephesians 4 says it this way in verse 11. It says, and he being Jesus, say Jesus. It says, and he being Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Now, interesting language there. Interesting language. Look what it says. It says that he gives all these people, verse 12, to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Notice that it doesn't say he gives the church these people to do the work of the ministry while everybody else comes and sees what they have made. It doesn't say that. It says that they are given to equip the saints. Who are the saints? You are the saints. You, you are. We are. We are the saints. Now, whether you live like a saint, that's a whole other conversation. But, but scripturally, saints are people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. Now, look at this. This is so fascinating. Verse 16 goes on to say this. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part, look, don't miss this. Look at now. Look, look, look. When each part is working properly. You know, that's talking about people, right? Their functions, their roles. When we're working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know what the best church growth strategy is? To be the church. You know what the best church growth strategy is? To find your function and gifting inside of a church and serve. That's what it means to be the church. And according to this, the saints do the work of the ministry. That's you. And according to this, what happens when the saints do the ministry? The thing grows. In other words, we build this together. We build this together. Now, think about this for a moment. Just think about this. Ephesians says that he, Jesus, gave the church a specific, five specific positions. He calls them apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Now, let me ask you, was there ever a better apostle, leader, than Jesus Christ? No. Was there ever a better prophet than Jesus Christ? Was there ever a better evangelist? Was there ever a better shepherd? Was there ever a better teacher than Jesus Christ? Yes or no? No. Jesus was the perfect apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and, and teacher. Now get this. This is, so, this is so crazy. Jesus could have stayed on this earth and been Jesus 100% 
in all those categories. And we could have gone and worshipped and, and all those things. And he would have been perfect. But instead, Jesus Christ left. But Jesus didn't um, just leave. He gave giftings, according to Ephesians chapter 4. And in essence, Jesus breaks himself up and disperses himself among a group of people. So that some of you are given to be a prophet. Some of you are given to be an apostle. Some of you are given to be a teacher, or an evangelist, or a shepherd. But not all of you are a perfect apostle or, and a perfect prophet and a perfect evangelist and a perfect shepherd and a perfect teacher. Do you see what I'm saying? God gave the, these five giftings so that we would have to depend on each other to build the church. We, we have to build it together because that's how the church functions. We have to utilize our giftings. Like, like, listen, if I'm an apostle, I need to be surrounded by a prophet. I need to be surrounded by a teacher. I need to be surrounded by an evangelist. If you're an evangelist, you need somebody who's an apostle. you get what I'm saying? That's how a healthy church is built. The problem is we have tried to take all those giftings and put them into one man, pay him a salary, and have him do the work of the whole ministry. No wonder 90% of all pastors who enter into ministry will not retire from it. 90%. They burn out. They quit. You want to know why your pastor's so busy? You are asking him to be Jesus. You're asking him to be Jesus. I have friends who are out of ministry who are some of the greatest preachers I have ever heard, but they could not keep up with all the things that their church was demanding of them. What a shame. What a waste. Spending their time begging for people just to be the church. Please be the church with me. Please be the church. We can do this together. People say, no, 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 no. That's what we pay you for, big guy. It's not on me. We build this together. So I just want to say this. We will never see... I don't like to use the words never, but we'll never see God do what he could do in and through this church and in and through this city until we build this together. We just won't. And that's each one of you. That is every single one of us. Now, this is just a, a small sneak peek, I guess, into our vision for this next year. Let me explain. This last year, we, we took a very strategic and intentional right turn. We intentionally pumped the brakes. Now, that kind of sounds strange in a church. Like, why are you pumping the brakes? Well, I mean, the truth is, we, when, we, when we moved into this facility, like, we just grew a lot. Growth. Numerical growth. Financial growth. Um, we had to add another worship experience to accommodate growth. We had to grow our staff to help this growth along. But listen now, while there was numerical growth, while there was financial growth, I don't know that there was much foundational growth. And, and so on paper, it looks really good to be, wow, that's a mile wide. But the reality is, it's not good if you're a mile wide and an inch deep, is it? That's building something on a very shaky foundation. So we took this year, if you remember at the beginning of the year, we announced our theme for the year, which was we're going to be training to run. This whole year has been about training to run with the vision. We've been training to run, training to run uh, with the vision that God has given to us. And listen, this was very intentional, strategic, and it was a matter of obedience because I don't want to pump brakes. I don't like pumping brakes. I like to go. Let's go. Let's move. Let's run. 
but God continually and consistently reminds me, Travis, like, you, you want to set up something that is going to outlast and outlive you. You, you, you want to set up something and, and have me build something through this church that is going to reach into the next generation and the next generation, the next generation. So we switched gears. We started becoming very much, uh, very intentional with our Sea Life groups and, and the leadership pipeline and the journey to actually be an apprentice and then a Sea Life leader and, um, and all these things. It's a very intentional process. We started becoming very strategic with, with how we actually teach our children, our children's ministry. They're taught a, 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 they're taught a lesson that is based off of the sermon that we preach in here and they broke, break up into small groups and they learn. We do that intentionally. That's, that's, that's a lot more work to do that. But we do that because we're trying to train people to run with the vision. Um, we, we switched, and maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't, but we have switched to, we've left a more topical approach on a Sunday morning, and we've gone into literally like book by book, verse by verse type of preaching in, a, in an effort to give you like more meat that you can chew on, that you can chomp on, right? Um, I mean, one thing you can definitely never say walking out of here is that you're not getting fed. I like to eat, okay? And I want you to eat as well. And so if you have an issue and say, oh, I'm not being fed, it's just because you're not wanting to be fed the right things. Sometimes we want to eat dessert. Often I like to eat dessert. Dessert is good. Dessert is fun. Dessert will kill you if that's all you eat. <laughs> dessert has its place. Dessert has its time. But some, somebody giving you an amen, you need a steak. Amen? If you're vegetarians, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, maybe we'll get back to eating someday. Anyway. <laughs> We did this, and I, I want to close with this. We, we did this intentionally, okay? This is so exciting. We did this intentionally. I want to show you a picture. We're family. This is, this is in-house today. I want to show you a picture of how we launched our church. Can we show this picture real quick? Look at this. You notice my wife wasn't in this picture. She took the picture, okay? <laughs> it's the day I didn't give her a background. Anyway, um, notice how many like kids I have in this picture, by the way, as well, right? There's one. Those are the days. And uh, my wife was holding Stella. Now there's something like 14 or 15 people here. You know, we launched this church with 14, 15 people. Does that speak to how awesome we are? Yes, it does. No, not at all. It speaks to what God can do when there's just a handful of committed individuals who've been properly trained to run with the vision. Now, can you imagine? Look around the room. Just look. I know it's corny, but just look around the room. We've got two full worship experiences like this. Can you imagine if next year we relaunched this thing with people who were trained and equipped? What could God do with a church that was willing to build it together? What could God do? And I'm telling you, when there's unity like that, when there's a common vision like that, a shared vision like that, that's when you see amazing and incredible life-changing, city-shaping movements happen. And I'm telling you, we can see that. I'm not trying to give you sugar. I already have told you I'm giving you meat. I'm speaking this out of God's word. God is able to do far more than we can ever dream or imagine if we become the church, if we become the church. Do you want to see that? 
Would you rather just take up a seat? Thank you for listening to this message from our series, The Core Five, A Covenant Church. We hope you've been impacted by what you've heard today. Visit us online at covenantchurch.us for more information and to listen to more impactful sermon audios just like this. school turn to Christ. I want to walk through the high school and my, my public school and, and see teachers that I go to church with and see other students that I've led to Christ and, and see their families come to know Jesus. God, I want true revival to take place now in my generation. I'm tired of reading about it. I'm tired of hearing people talk about it. It's something I want to experience. I want to be in the middle of the move of God right now. That's you. And I pray that it is.